Um, I'm gonna, I just wanna, we have an opportunity today to have uh, Pastor Luke LaBeouf. He's going to minister the word of the Lord. He's gonna close out the year. Um, and I believe he's got a, a good and a timely word to wrap up the season that we are in right now. And I just want you guys to just give a warm welcome and applause to Pastor Luke as he comes and ministers the word of the Lord today. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God. I pray you all had a good Christmas season and we're here for a new year. We're here to be about the Father's business. I'm so excited to what he's got in store in 2024. I don't, I don't know about you, but when you get to a certain age, you get to a point in life, you count your blessings. Larry and I, we turned 77 this year. And I'm so thankful and grateful that God's grace is more than sufficient fulfill our destiny here on earth. And I pray that for each one of you. And I believe God's got something in store specifically for each one of us today. He's put it on my heart and by his grace, I'm gonna deliver it. Psalm 11:23. I'm gonna start with. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I don't know about you, the more I go, the more I see the foundations of Christianity being eroded on the face of this earth. So he's, what do we do? He's called us as leaders in the body of Christ to restore, to restore the foundation, to preach on the foundation, to teach. What the enemy is meant for evil, God desires to turn it around for good. We spent raising a generation of irreverent children, training them to question authority at every level instead of teaching them obedience is better than sacrifice. Since the sacrifice of Cain and Abel, man has always tried to replace obedience with sacrifice thinking that God would be pleased with this. The only reason we do what we do is simply to try to cover up our own sins. And it's never gonna happen. We're gonna to have to learn to do it God's way or it's not gonna be done. We're going to, we can't cover up with sacrifice our lack of, of obedience to God. I've had the opportunity and the pleasure of doing a Bible study on that word, obey. It's amazing how short we come from being obedient. We justify. We'll go to step one, two, and three, and four, and five, and God has called us to go seven steps, and we quit at six. And God wants us to obey to, ver to the very end. And he wants us to obey obedient, to be obedient immediately. When you believe that God of the creator of the heaven and earth is speaking to you, why would we not obey him immediately? 
Like, just the other day, someone told me, oh, God put out of my heart to be in the ushers ministry six months ago. I says, have you joined? Well, not yet. You think that's pleasing to God? There's so many other things that God wants to fulfill in our lives if we just understand what he has in store. The greatest demand God will ever make of us as believers is not sacrifice. He wants us to obey. He's not a hard taskmaster. If you look at all the promises of God, they're all tied into obedience. Obey me, you'll eat the fat of the land. You disobey me, you'll have the curse on your life. It's not complicated. But the enemy has a way of getting into our lives to destroy, distort the word of God. Debates of what the greatest struggle Jesus could have had here when he came on earth. Some say it could be when he came on earth, he left his deity behind. Some will say battle that's when he battled Satan at the Mount of Temptation. Some say at the cross. Others say at the tomb, waiting for God to resurrect him. I believe the greatest temptation that he ever fought was found in Luke 22, that 42, 39 to 42. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Obedience to the will of the Father, Jesus fought that temptation. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Temptation is not sin. There's a difference between being tempted and yielding to temptation. So he withdrew a stone throw away beyond them, and he knelt and he prayed again, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be yours be done. What was the temptation then? The temptation wasn't that he had any question of the Father's will. He knew what the Father's will was. But the temptation was that his flesh was recoiling at the prospect of the fact of what he'd had to go through to fulfill the plan of redemption for mankind. Put, them, put yourself in his shoes. Yo. If I knew I'd have to face that, how would I handle that? He knew that it was God's will, but who would look forward to that? Not my will be yours, be done. What do we have here? Perfect obedience to the will of the Father, regardless of the cost. That's what he expects of each one of us. Though there was two wills when they went into the garden, but there was only one that came out. God's perfect will. In order for us to fulfill the plans and the purposes of God in our lives, we're going to have to encounter our own personal Gethsemane. There's no shortcuts in his kingdom. 
Obedience to the will of the Father is what is required. Obedience is never easy to the flesh, believe me. The flesh will fight it tooth and nails. It will always cause the flesh something, but the benefits are far worth more and are more tremendous. Sooner or later, we're going to have to encounter our own personal Gethsemane. I'm sorry to say there's no shortcuts. That's the way it is. Because we have this flesh that has to be crucified. It has to die. So that his will can be done in each of our lives. You know, I've learned that he's not a hard taskmaster. When he says obey somewhere in his word, it's for our good. If we'd only look at it like that, it's for our good. We will encounter in Gethsemane both God's inherent authority and God's delegated authority. The issue here that I want to bring up is authority. The enemy in the the last few decades has brought such a distortion in the body of Christ that people don't understand what authority is, what it means. We meet God's inherent authority when we get saved. We experience God himself. There's no other. It's you and God when you get saved, period. It's a personal relationship that transpires. But in our lifetime, we will need God's delegated authority in many different ways. One of the most important lessons we can learn in the matter of obedience to God's authority is that we're not only obeying God's inherent authority, God himself, but, we, but also God's delegated authority, those who represent God here on the earth. They're here for a reason and for a purpose. And that's where I find a lot of people have a hard time. This is a lesson they're going to have to learn sooner or later. Who calls himself a servant of the Most High. Hopefully sooner than later. Because it will save you a lot of heartache. Obedience to the delegated authority is important. If not more important than obedience to God's inherent authority, God himself. The greatest demand God will ever place is obedience and not sacrifice. We just not forget that. An example of obedience is Naaman. That's a perfect example. He was a leprous commander and chief of the Syrian army. The servant girls in his house told him of a prophet in Israel, he needed to go see for healing. So Naaman went to see Elisha. To make a long story short, I'm going to back up a little bit because he was screaming blue murder before he went. Why should I go dump myself seven times in dirty, polluted water? while I could go to Israel and dump myself seven times in clean water. But the issue here was not the water. 
And God wanted to reveal that to him. Obedience is the greatest demand that God will ever make of us. Naaman went to Elisha. To make a long story short, Naaman was told to go down in the Jordan River seven times. Seven times. We can't cover our sins by doing something else for God. We simply are doing, going to have to obey his word and his will for us. We're not only going to have to obey God's direct inherent authority, but we must also obey his delegated authority. In our lifetime, God does guide us, lead us, speak to us. And God, thank God for that. But dealing with God's direct authority really doesn't happen all that often. You might do it to dreams, audible voices, visions, etc., etc. There are many ways that God will establish to give us guidance, direction, even speak to us. Most of the time, it doesn't include showing up in a tangible and audible, audible way. Instead, he speaks to us through his word, the ministry of his word, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of us, through others that he's placed in our lives. Thank God for mentors. They're there for a reason. Follow me as I follow Christ. One of the greatest lessons we're going to have to learn and recognize authority around us and those over us. And if we do that, personalities won't clash, won't matter. For example, well, our new pastor, I don't like the way he speaks. He's too loud, etc., etc. If we recognize that he's just a person placed there by God, we shouldn't matter if he's short, tall, loud, male or female. God placed him there. That's what matters. If we are in rebellion to God's delegated authority, we are also in rebellion to God himself. All authority is given to us here on earth by God. All authority. Satan has no authority here. There is no authority or power on earth except from God. If we can clear our heads and establish that, so when the enemy rises up, we'll recognize him. God instituted human government. God established Noah as a representative head of the human race in Genesis 9, and he established Adam as the head of the human race in Genesis 2. Here we see a significant failure in Noah in his authority. 
Because as Adam had sinned in the garden in Genesis 3 by disobeying God, Noah also sinned by disobeying God by getting drunk. Noah was the representative head of the human race. Therefore, he had a greater responsibility to reflect honor and glory to God. We have a greater responsibility standing behind that pulpit. We're going to be judged more severely. So with that said, here Noah gets drunk. Noah was a representative head of the human race, therefore he had a greater responsibility to reflect honor and glory to God. He failed in this responsibility in this instance by getting drunk and he was exposed before those that he had authority over. One of the things you'll discover in people in the leadership position is that they're all human people fulfilling a supernatural calling in their lives. Every man, no matter how perfect we might think he is, he's still flesh and blood. And oftentimes, we tend to think that people in these positions of leadership in the body of Christ are not flesh and blood anymore. They are gold, silver, and precious stones. And therefore, extremely disappointed when we see their human side, when, they, when we start seeing their faults. How do you address that? How did Ham address it? We are, we are, we see a remarkable example of what Ham did and how he responded in seeing his father's vul, 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 the, that word. <laughs> the further we go in the body of Christ, the more people see us. The more people see us, the more vulnerable we become. The more exposed we become, to the attacks of those underneath us. You might say, I don't see how this could happen. Well, I'm sure Noah didn't see how it could happen either, especially by someone from his own household. He sinned, he got drunk. His nakedness was exposed. What is the responsibility of someone in a subordinate position when someone over them becomes exposed to them? What are we to do? Apparently, Ham thought that he had a responsibility to tell everybody about it. To spread that nakedness around so that his father would come down a notch in everybody's sight. We have to remember something. Somebody in positions of responsibility in the body of Christ wasn't put there by their own effort. 
It was God to put him in that position, and it's not up to us to take him down from that position. If God put them there, God is more than able to take him down or deal with them. Doesn't need our help. It's a shame sometimes what we do to, their, to our leaders. We have them for breakfast and we spit them out before lunch comes. Ham saw his father's nakedness and vulnerability and his first response was that of going to tell everybody about it. The nature of the beast. It's not our responsibility to tell everybody else about someone else's sin. You say, well, where's accountability? Accountability is always above you. Not under you. If God calls a man into ministry, God is more than able to keep him there and take care of him. Ham needed his father's strength, direction, encouragement, and support. But was he willing to do anything in return? No. He was not. All Noah got from Ham was ridicule, mocking, further exposing something that was bad enough to begin with. What am I saying here? Does sin need to be covered? God made sure that sin is exposed. But you know where God wants our sin to be exposed? In his presence. In his presence. What's the use in God's kingdom for our sin to be exposed to the world? Sin needs to be exposed, all right, but it needs to be uncovered in the presence of God where it can be dealt with. It doesn't need to be exposed to the world because the world has no mercy. They'll chew you up and spit you out. Let's make sure that we don't expose the sins of our brothers and sisters and watch them be devoured. Because that's all the world is waiting for. Let's guard against this less, the same thing, unless the same thing happens to us. This is what Ham chose to do to his father. He chose to expose his father's vulnerability and nakedness. I wonder how that made him feel. I wonder if he felt a sense of satisfaction down on the inside of himself. That satisfaction didn't last very long because a curse came on him and the result of his unwillingness to submit to his father's authority. Am I saying that it's all right for those in authority to sin? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just as wrong for them to sin as it is for you. 
but it's not your responsibility to deal with that, and you can't do anything about it anyway. It's God's responsibility to deal with them. They're God's men and women. Let God deal with them. The Bible says, love does not rejoice when trouble overtakes someone. Love rejoices when somebody else is blessed and ministered to, regardless if they are friends or enemies. Let's just live right and be just. Let's be Christian rather than just talk about being Christians. This is where the rubber meets the road. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Let's do what is right, whether anybody else does or not. What would Ham's proper response have been? Well, let's see the proper response in his brother Shem and Japheth. How did they respond? The Bible says they covered their father's nakedness. They didn't go talking about, about it to everyone outside, causing Noah, who God has placed in leadership to lose respect in the eyes of all those that he was responsible to lead. Instead of fostering rebellion, they brought about covering and restoration. They receive a blessing as a result. Noah isn't the one who chased for the position of leadership. If you recall, Noah didn't go to God, but God came to Noah and asked him to build an ark. He placed them in that position. Sin needs to be exposed, but not to the world. Let's cover one another's shortcomings. Encourage one another. Galatians 2.17, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. Sin needs to be judged. The first place is in our own hearts. That's where it begins. Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. No, I find that sobering. That should help us put a guard to our lips and zip it. Galatians 6, 1 to 5. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, he says, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Restoration should be our goal, not condemnation. Remember, God is our justifier.
It's important for those under us, under authority, to have respect for God's authority, even though if the person in authority over them is wrong. Ooh, that, that's where the rubber meets the road. Is it possible for people over us to be wrong? Sure it is. Remember, they're human. However, the fact that they're wrong does not cause God to lift his authority off of them. The fact that our husband, boss, pastor, supervisor makes a mistake does not automatically exclude them from the position of authority is therein. He has as much authority when he's wrong than when he's right. Remember, God instituted authority. He places people in authority. Much of the time, we in the body of Christ say, I'll do what they say if I think they're right. So what we're doing is taking judgment into our own hands because we're making determination whether what they tell us to do is right or wrong. That's not our determination. That's not our responsibility. Our job is to be obedient, not to judge. We're... We're talking about being obedient to God's authority, even God's delegated authority. We have another example here found in Numbers 12, verse 1. I love this example. One day, Miriam and Aaron were criticizing Moses because his wife was a Cushite, Cushite woman, and they said, has the Lord spoken only to Moses? Hasn't he also spoken to us? We start by being critical, judgmental. But guess what? The Lord heard them. If we're going to remember and complain and come against leadership, God hears it. What happened to Miriam? Anytime you speak, Words of rebellion against someone in authority over you, the word, the Lord says he hears it. Man, I don't want ever to get caught in that position, the Lord to hear it, that I'm going to have to deal with him. There's a way for people to work together in the body of Christ. God shows us the way in his word. There's a chain of command in the body of Christ. If we are obedient to that, if we follow it, all will be well with us, and we're going to be blessed. However, Miriam and Aaron, Moses, own sister and brother, spoke against his authority because once again, he did something wrong in their sight. See, they were the judge. He married an Ethiopian woman, and there's nothing that he could do about it. He can't divorce her. He's already married. He make everything right. 
It's not going to fix the situation by divorcing her. Keep in mind that you speak against God's authority, you're speaking against God himself. Be careful. Be careful what you say about God's leaders. Evil speaking and reviling are things that are very sternly warned against in the word of God. When God places his authority on someone, it's his choice, not ours. Words of rebellion and reviling leads to exactly what happened to Miriam in this instant. She became leprous. Became leprous. Rebellion in the spirit is like leprosy in the natural. It's an extremely contagious disease. It goes through a congregation before anyone knows what happened. I'm telling you, I know what I'm saying. Leprosy were set apart in the Old Testament. Because that's how bad leprosy was. It was so contagious. People were dying without knowing what was happening. It's an extremely contagious disease. It goes through the congregation before you know what happened. Say the only person I told was my best friend. He said he wouldn't tell anyone. No, he told everyone. A good principle to go by, if anyone knows, everybody knows. People are so skilled at keeping their mouths open. People are people. Just don't tell them things you don't want them to know. Rebellion and the natural is like leprosy in the realm of the spirit. It's dangerous. It's contagious. Before you know it, somebody that used to be one of your best workers, being here early, sitting in the front row, and all of a sudden, they're sitting in the back row. And you're wondering, what's going on? They come up with all kinds of excuses. I just can't make time anymore, etc., etc. Pretty soon, you don't see them. They're gone. But they're leprous. They're gone, and you wonder what happened. What happened is that they have spiritual leprosy. They were infected by this contagion of rebellion that is all over our society. They'll challenge authority at every level. They were infected by a contagious contagion of rebellion. They may not even understand how they got it. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It, it has a way of creeping in. 
One will say to the other, hey, you know what? It happened in the Old Testament. They were kept in quarantine because it was so serious. And people were dying and wouldn't even know what was happening to them. In the same manner, words of rebellion against God's authority are the same deadly and dangerous. Maybe you recognize that you have leprosy. You're in rebellion. Maybe God makes it very clear to you and you have enough courage to admit it. I've been there. And thank God he gave me the grace to have enough courage to get the help I needed. And after he dealt with me, I spent a whole service, not around here, I was far away, just me and God, I wept through the whole service. I was leprous, and I didn't know it. There's many. The enemy is real. He's out to kill, steal, and to destroy. Maybe you go to God, and of course you repent. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll make you whole. He did restore Miriam. So why wouldn't he restore us? Maybe you go to God. Of course, he does forgive you. Be healed, cleansed, and made whole. Maybe your spiritual fingers that were falling off, your spiritual hands, will be restored just like Marion was restored. But how about all those in the meantime? How many people were infected by that deadly disease? It spreads. It's contagious. You don't know, in the meantime, how many people were infected? who may never be able to get back to God. All because they want to spout off about somebody God placed in authority over them. This is where the real problem and danger lies. It's contagious, it spreads. You might know your way back in your mind. Know that God will forgive you what about all the people that got infected by the pus that came out of your mouth? This is real. It's not a shouting matches, but it's a message we all need to hear. They didn't even realize until they found themselves separated from everything God had called them to do and say. My God, I've got this deadly diseases and there's no cure and maybe something happened to them. They never came back. Who's going to be responsible for them? They've been scattered. Are you willing to take that responsibility? Are you willing to have their blood on your hands? You willing to take that responsibility? I don't think so. You know that you can do instead? Zip it. Put a guard. I pray that every day. Lord, put a guard to my mouth. I only speak what you want me to speak. 
And you know, I was so amazed when I was first saved. Shop talk? I was a pro at it. Until the Holy Spirit, before the words would come out of my lips, he'd grab my tongue and take it back, and I would stand in awe. I said, this can't be real. He cleaned my mouth. Well, to my grandsons, uh, you might have cleaned my mouth in many times other than playing euchre. <laughs> I have fun with my grandkids, and they, they get a kick out of me. I love them dearly. So if we're in that position, have we spoken words? that have been unfortunate against someone in authority, go to God. Say, God, forgive me. I repent. God, help me that I have infected somebody else in the body of Christ, that I might be used as an instrument to restore them into the position they need to be in God as well. Some of us might have make some phone calls this afternoon. That's okay. God is in the restoring business. He's a restorer, and all things are possible with him. We can be restored too. That's the good news of the gospel. You know, I take this so seriously that we're here to restore the foundations that have crumbled in our society. That's why we have different classes that we instituted to teach the people, foundation class. Next week or a couple weeks from now, Pastor Howe will be teaching on this very thing, undercover by John Bevere, one in an excellent class. If you don't understand authority, this is a class you need to sign up to. You just can't allow your flesh to govern and think you're right. That's why God is called leaders in the body of Christ. To, to teach these truths so that our eyes can be open. My prayer for each one of you, I don't want leprosy for nobody. And somebody that wants this less is my God. You know, that's why he restores. He wants to see his church victorious. The fingers that fell off because of leprosy I remember going to a leper colony. The people in there had no fingers. They rotted away. The feet were gone. And this little old lady, she had a picture of herself before she had leprosy and she was the most beautiful thing. And I remember looking at Pastor Rick, she says, I pray for yous every day. You know why we need to be whole? 
so we can grab the sword of the spirit and do warfare and take back what the enemy has stolen. We're in a war, but victory's ours. So be encouraged this morning. If you have any questions on authority, sign up and go through his class. There's nothing to hide. The truth is what sets people free. My prayer for each one of you is to begin the new year on that straight and narrow path so that we can be his ambassadors, his army, not allow the enemy free reign by just zipping it. It'll take you a long way. Happy New Year, everyone. God bless you all. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you for the army of the Lord. I thank you for your servants, Lord God. We look forward to 2024. Lord, there's something in the spirit that says something good will transpire in our midst in 2024. You are so faithful. I can lift up holy hands unto you and say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless this congregation. Let 2024 be a year to multiply all your blessings upon our lives by walking in obedience, by fulfilling, not stopping, like Naaman maybe wanting to stop from being dunked on the sixth time. God wants us to go right, whatever he calls you to do, so that you can have victory in your lives. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless 2024. Let it be a year of new beginnings for many of us, Lord. So that your perfect will can be established. Not only here on earth, but as it is in heaven. God bless you all. You are dismissed. And let's go rejoice and be glad in it. If anybody needs prayer, I'd be more than happy to pray for you. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the very last After Nine show of 2023. Let's go, fam. All right, so we are... <laughs> we are here and we just heard the message by Pastor Luke LaBeouf called obedience is better than sacrifice. So what we got out of today, there, there was a lot of really important points, but I'm hoping that Pastor Sherry is able to run down here and join me today, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, 
we can we can chat through um, what we got out of the message today. So if you haven't uh, joined us here before, what we kind of do with the After 9 show is we basically just break down the service and we talk about it as if you're here with us at church today and you just want to chat about what you got out of the message with your friends. Oh, and here comes Pastor Sherry. This is great. I love this. Hey. Yeah, come on, have a seat. This is great. So um, that's kind of what we're doing is we're just reenacting this opportunity to be able to talk through little things that we got out of the message or stuff that maybe was highlighted to us that maybe, you know, every, I think everyone's different and I think that everyone receives differently. So Pastor Sherry has her notebook. I got my notebook here. <laughs> there was quite a few good nuggets in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. Um, you start. Well, I have, I have... Uh, I've got like two or three things that really stood out to me that now the pastor Luke's notes are very different than you and pastor Brian's notes. Yeah. Um, but he does, what he'll do is he'll just do line, 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 line. And they're all like, they all hit, like they're all, they're all those nuggets. They're all so good. Um, but there was a few today that really meant something to me and I really, maybe we can, maybe the parallel with what you, cause maybe. that usually happens with us. Um, yeah, I really true. liked how he was talking about the struggles that Jesus went through and how we need to walk through our own personal Gethsemane. Yeah. I liked that one. That was good. Um, and I really liked the, uh, analogy of, uh, Noah in his drunkenness. And what Ham, do you have something to talk about with oh, that? Oh, lots. Okay. Um, and what Ham did in ridicule to Noah and how with our authority and even going as far as with other people's sin, um, I thought that was really powerful. And, oh, there was one more thing that he really said that I was, I was just like, yes. When, um, shoot, now have I lost it? No, he was talking about temptation and how temptation itself is not a sin, but it's the action of what we do with it that is. Yeah, when we succumb to that temptation and it just overtakes us. And, yes. And, and that sin becomes that leprosy, yes. which I'll, oh, go yeah, back, leprosy. I'll go back to the ham thing in a, okay. in a minute. But yes. the, the whole part with Miriam, like I'm up on the oh, piano yeah. playing at the end and he's yeah. saying exactly what I what God had shown me when I was um, sitting there. But um, so with leprosy, so we know sin kind of goes like leprosy, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's that analogy. And with leprosy, they were losing their fingers. Yeah. And when you look in the Bible, when it says fingers, it actually talks about something that you're able to grasp with. Yeah. And so when you allow sin into your life and you and you engage in that, right. you're engaging in that leprosy and it's causing your ability to grasp the word of God mm -hmm. to be falling down. Like yep. you can't grasp it anymore. Yeah. And so that's, you know, and Pastor Luke was talking about how when people end up leaving the church or just, you know, grow stagnant in their faith and how they slowly move to the back and yep. then they, you know, I don't have time for this and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They're losing their grasp on what God That's is really asking good. them to do. That's really good. And so we need to ask God to restore our fingers yeah. and get rid of that leprosy, get rid of that sin in our lives. Can I say something about yeah. leprosy? That something that always creeped me out about leprosy was the reason that they were losing their fingers. Do you know this? I don't know. Is because um, they, they leprosy is a nerve disease and it eats away at feeling. So you lose Ooh. your feeling. So they were losing Good. their fingers because they're doing things that they didn't realize that they couldn't do because they're going too hard. And like, so say you're trying to turn a key, but you can't turn it because, you know, they're, there's no feeling. There's there. no feeling. So I think that leprosy relates. This is what I was thinking about leprosy was that it's desensitizing yourself to the spirit wow, that's and it's really taking good. the feeling away and you know they're like the closer you are to the presence of god and the closer you are to the holy spirit the stronger the urgency is to do what his heart wants us to do yeah absolutely and when you become desensitized you 
start your imagination starts filling in that feeling yeah. what it should feel like yeah. and our imagination can do some crazy things oh yeah so when we begin imagining what something should feel like we start trying to put things into place yep. that the bible doesn't actually say should be there yeah and uh, this is what sin does it distorts our yeah. view on christianity it distorts our view on who god is yeah. and the way we need to live our lives it's and really good i don't know this is good I loved what he was talking about with like Noah and Ham and stuff like yes. that. I've, I've got like two pages just straight on this. Love it. I like, I like, I wrote down here, just zip it. Zip it. Zip it. I think like Stop. it was so good. It's just so simple. Like at the very end, you know what? You have to just zip it. He said, people are skilled at keeping their mouths open. He said that? <laughs> That's what he said. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's so true. It's so that good. So many people feel that they have to say what they want to say. Yeah. And that was a thing with Ham, mm -hmm. was that when he went out and he said, it actually says that he announced to everybody. Yeah. Like he went out yeah. and he's like, my father is naked. Like yeah. he's announcing this. Yeah. Right? It's. You know, and I think, I think what he said, sorry, did I cut you off? No. It, when it comes to authority, now I, I've been in the church for my whole life and I've been in circles where I've gotten to see very human versions of people that are over me. Yeah. And I've seen people make mistakes. I've seen people sin. Mm -hmm. And I liked what Pastor Luke said, cause he called it out and he said, you know, you might look at me and say, well, where's the accountability? You know, and I think to a degree, people hold their pastors, especially on a pedestal. Yeah. And they say like, this is my pastor. They need to They're be this perfect and, and this. they have to be exactly. And, and guess what? No one human. is perfect. <laughs> We're human. And he called it out. He said, you know, um, our pastors, our leaders are flesh and blood. Yeah. And when we put people on a pedestal like that, it's actually, it's, it's pretty unhealthy because there's almost like an idolizing that's taking place there. Yeah. And when you put them to a p position of not being allowed to make mistakes or to sin or to, you know, they're human beings. Yeah. And I think, I think that is where it gets messy because we look to them for the things that God is supposed to be there for. Yeah. And a lot of times pastors take the place of God in people's lives. Yeah. And when, when pastors or people in authority or leadership mess mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. it causes their view of who God is to be distorted That's because right. they didn't have a right view of God to begin with. That's right. And so when we keep our eyes and our focus on God, then we can have a proper honor and respect for the authority that God's put in place over us. Yep. And we can treat them the way that they need to be treated. And then we can do things the way that um, Shem and Japheth did. And, and the thing is, is that when it says, so they didn't actually go in and see their father's nakedness. Right. What they, they did was they, they took the mantle and they put it on both of their shoulders and they walked backwards yeah. in there. And the thing is, is that mantle that they put on their shoulders, yeah. see the shoulders is a place where the burdens are, are being carried. That's yeah. that. And so we need to have burdens for our pastors, for our authority. Mm -hmm. and, and what they did was they carried the mantle back to him and That's covered good. him up. Yes. And so this is the thing is that they didn't think like, I have to do this on my own. We have to just figure this out on our own. But what they did was we're, we're in this together. We're yes. carrying this together. It's not our mantle to carry, but we're bringing it back to where right rightfully belongs. That's right. And that with Noah was where it rightfully belonged. That's right. And I think once we, once we approach that way, even our, even our authority with that understanding, like you're human, I respect you. I honor you. I know that God has placed you in this position, mm -hmm. but I also know that you're, you're going to make mistakes. It's, it's a healthier way to look at them and it gives them like, like that's the thing is pastor Luke was talking about all the realities of leadership and it, the Bible says that there's a double judgment 
on people yeah. that are leading and that are shepherding people. It, it even talks about, I'm not sure because we're in the Bible, but it talks in the Bible, you guys can look it up, yeah. um, about just even being careful when you're going and you're bringing an accusation against a leader because there is such a, a, a big deal with yeah. um, leaders and the authority and what, the way that God deals with authority. Yeah. And so I remember like even there was times when I had some issues with authority in my life yeah. and I felt like, you know, I, I, I wanted to say what yes. was going on, yes. but I knew well enough that I couldn't just go and accuse people of doing things. And so I actually just wrote it all in a journal. That's so good. And then I brought it to God. That's so good. And then, and I'm telling you like that actually helped start my journey of forgiveness, walking through that type of thing. Cause we all go through yeah. situations with authority, like no authority is perfect no. except for God's authority. That's right. And so we're all going to walk through things where we need to be able to, um, express forgiveness to the authority above us exactly and uh and so just being able to write it down and bring it to god just really helped me a lot i love that pastor sherry yeah. so we have about maybe 50 45 seconds left okay i know you have a little point on miriam can you can you do it in 30 and then i can wrap it up so my my thing on miriam was really just leprosy is that you know um she oh so it says that she was like she was cursed with leprosy yeah and it's the same thing with ham ham was cursed when he dealt with noah the way that he did but it says that shem and japheth they actually were blessed and their tent was enlarged look at that so i really liked that that's great and i believe that for us as a church individually 2024 i don't know i'm feeling really good about this year yeah i hope that that's gonna stay and oh it is <laughs> i'm excited for what our church is what has in store for us and what god has in store for us and um i just really encourage you if if you're just watching i9 i know there's lots of people that are just secretly watching us and and they don't subscribe so i don't know your name but i know that you're there because i see it but i really encourage you if you're looking for a home reach out to us get connected with us go to a lighthouse you know there there's a place for you here and um you know i i don't know i i know i'm running out of time larry but i feel like if if you've been watching us if you've been tuned in and you've been hurt by the church if you've been hurt by authority if you've been hurt by leadership today is the day to move on to move ahead mm -hmm. god has more in store for you more in store for us yeah. and uh you know pastor luke's message was right on point today with what i think we need to think about moving into 2024. I agree. So I encourage you all um, just with this last day of the year is just to think positively, think hopefully. Um, and uh, we will not be seeing you tomorrow at the lighthouse, nope. but we will be it's back. Yes, it's a holiday, but we will be back the following Monday uh, to pray with you all next Monday at 630 at the lighthouse. But until then, we hope you light the passion within you and you have the best last day of the year.